0: All right, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Warrior Mindset and Motivation Podcast. I'm your host, retired Army Sergeant First Class Eric Castillo. I'm also a life coach at Zimi Wellness Center in Indigenous Sovereignty. Today, I have a a guest on. She's a former Marine veteran, so she's the jarhead. You know, I've been having a string of jarheads lately, so I don't know. Maybe it's a sign that I should have went to the Marines at some point. I don't know what's going on with that. And then my fiance was Marine. So I don't know, I'm surrounded by Marines and crayon people right now. So, um, but anyway, uh, she's actually a really cool person. She does a lot of stuff and her bio was pretty good. Like I always say, I don't really look at people's bios because I want to catch initial reactions for me. So I kind of skim over it just to kind of, and really it's for the readers who are watching. Uh, Her name is Jessica Rose and I'll let her introduce herself and give a little background about what she does and, you know, through her transition. And then we'll close it up with something, a special message that she has for veterans who are watching this podcast. So Jessica, go ahead and take it away.
1: All right. Thank you for having me and just having this conversation. I always love being able to share and inspire for others. So like I said, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I served four and a half years. I got out medically And I was one of the first through the DES program system. So basically what they did was if you were active duty and you had an injury, you would go through the VA and the VA would determine your percentage and then your branch of of service would determine whether or not they were keeping you. So I got out after four and a half years and my transition was a little rough because I was past my EES date and I was just kind of like waiting around like one day will be my last day. But what does that day look like? So it's funny you bring up about being crown eaters, because I like to (laughs) joke with a bunch of Marines that once my EES was picked, normally they take into consideration your saved leave time, they give you some PTAD to actually transition. Mm -hmm. Well, Marines don't do math well. (laughs) So um, I got to work on a Monday and logged in and was like, oh, I was supposed to leave like uh, last Friday. So I ended up having to sell my leave back and didn't get to take all my PTADs. So it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, good old <laughs> good old Marine Corps. Uh, <laughs> and so it was rather quick, but I, I had this, I was on a med board for over a year. So I knew that it was when it was going to happen, it was going to be pretty quick. So I had this plan A and B and C and was trailing into a plan D, but uh, all of it fell apart, just all of it. So for different reasons, every piece of every plan just fell apart really roughly. And uh, I ended up uh, sleeping in my car for a couple nights and thought, I'm not going to be able to stay in sunny San Diego. I (laughs) have to go back to Oklahoma, which was not ever my plan. Uh, My dad swears this started when I actually went when my brother graduated boot camp in San Diego. So my first time in San Diego and being at the beach, he said, I lost my baby girl. She's never going to come back. All she's going to want to do is go live out there. So, of course, my parents were ecstatic that I called them and they were trying to hide their joy as I'm like crying in my car, like, I got to come home. And they're just like, okay, yeah, sounds great. (laughs) So they came out and we did this like cool road trip, went on Route 66 and stuff. And um, we came home. It was around Thanksgiving time. I want to say it was a, a couple days after Thanksgiving. I came back to Oklahoma I had like one friend I stayed in contact with and staying at my parents' house, eating the big bucket of cheesy poofs, you know, <laughs> crying my eyes out to Grey's Anatomy. Like my life sucks. It's over. What am I going to do? And um, finally, one day my dad hit me with a trigger word. And I swear he cringes when I tell this story because there's like, there's <laughs> been a couple of people who've been like super judgmental. And I'm like, no, this was like completely out of love. Cause he knew that it was my <laughs> trigger word. So we're eating dinner and I, I was super quiet which obviously is not me. I'm a talkaholic. And he just looked at me and he says, Rosebud, you're getting fat. And I was like, Oh my God, you're right. But it wasn't like, it wasn't fat. Like you're putting on weight, you're getting fat and sloppy. It was what are like, that was my trigger word. Like, what are you doing with your life? Like you're just sitting around. This isn't you. So, um, that's why I give that caveat. Like, it wasn't like my dad degrading me saying you're getting fat, you're putting on weight. It was like, hello hello wake up call this isn't you um so i remember thinking like oh my god you're so right i am i'm getting fat like i'm not doing anything with my life like that was my interpretation of it right of fat so next day he takes off work gets me to go up to uh, a university here where i enrolled in school had some complications during the enrollment process was glad to you know being a marine fresh out of the marine corps having someone else tugging me which Mm -hmm. my parents are both air force so my dad kind of had a little (laughs) bit of sense we joke my parents you know people especially in the military right we give a lot of crap to the air force oh yeah both my parents were air force and two out of three of their kids joined the marine corps so oh wow um that's a watch out
0: really far from the tree then
1: (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, for sure. My dad's whole line was Navy. So, uh, my dad's actually traced our history all the way back. Um, we have every generation has served uh, to the Revolutionary War. So, it's really cool to see like just wow. the, that service. It's always That's been awesome. embedded in me. But I came back, I started going to school, and I started working at the VA office. And I said, you know what? I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through with enrollment and all these other complications. So, how can I make it better? And I just really, I, I did. I focused on that. How can I make this better? And it's really cool to look back on that moment. It was me and another guy with an office, like a desk in the waiting room of the advisement. And now when I go to that university, they have a whole building dedicated to veteran services. That's with badass. People. Yeah. There's like 10 people who work in that building now. And it just makes my heart so happy to see like, I helped start this. Like, wow, this is so cool. So um, now I... Well, I graduated with my master's in crime intelligence analysis and religion and culture. So I always joke, I love research and I love people. Yeah. But I fell into suicide prevention on accident. So um, my husband and I actually run a veterans rowing program. So we Mm -hmm. are a grant from the Department of Veterans Affairs given to U.S. rowing. And U.S. rowing helps support our program here in Oklahoma. And through that program, I had met somebody who worked in veterans homelessness. And they said, Hey, I really think you should come work for us. You can make a difference. And I'm like, okay, sure. Why not? And I worked there for a while, but there was some safety concerns that had come up. So I had to leave and, you know, just like anything, I'm talking to another group of veterans saying, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, here's my situation. I'm looking for something else to do with my life. And one says, Hey, come work for me. I say, okay, Not, not really asking what, I was doing. (laughs) So (laughs) next thing I know, I am the suicide prevention program manager for the Oklahoma army national guard. And I thought, wow, I don't know anything about suicide prevention, but again, I love research. I love people. Let's figure this out. So I started a research project where I dug into all the lives that we lost here in Oklahoma and the guard and started looking into what were the factors? What, what can we learn from all these deaths? Because there's something in these deaths that we can learn to help save lives. So I really learned so, so, so much and uh, from working in suicide prevention for a couple of years, I'm licensed to train applied suicide intervention skills training, which is an international based training. It's taught in like 37 different languages. So that's, that's just really cool in itself. And uh, I moved to our department of mental health and substance abuse services, and I worked on the opiate epidemic. So I went from suicide prevention to overdose prevention. And at first I was like, "Eh, overdose isn't really my thing, but I just saw an opportunity to be a better advocate for service members, veterans, and their families moving into the state agency. So I worked on that grant and what that entailed was going into police departments and training law enforcement on what overdose looks like and how people get to the point of overdose. And Hey, here's naloxone this like flownase type nasal spray, just shooting the nose. And it was a really great experience being able to partner with first responders, because through that, a lot of the towns that we were going into these small communities would bring in their fire departments would bring in anyone else in their community that wanted to sit in and learn the training that we had to offer. So I did that and was like, okay, after a year I've trained everyone in my region. Now what? So I decided to branch out and I started my own company. So I started Rosewood consulting. And basically what I do is I advocate for suicide and overdose prevention. I talk to people, I train people and just speak out about it because when you combine suicides and overdoses together, we lose over 300 people in the U S every single day. And The reason why I I say combined is because in the case of overdoses, that overdoses are less likely to be considered a suicide. It's actually up to the state as to whether or not they'll consider an overdose, a suicide or an accident. And they'll typically lean towards accident. So that's where you really bring those numbers together is over 300 lives we lose daily right there's simple things that we can do that you can do that i can do that the the listeners and the viewers watching this can do to really improve the lives of people around us right. so
0: and there's I, red flags everywhere too there's red yeah. flags they're all over it's just it's paying attention to them yeah. and it's, it's really as if you know when you have a friend and when you are or even someone like someone just a random stranger you can see it it's just Are you going to, are you actually going to look at it or are you going to keep going? You know, like it, all it takes is just a, even just a simple comment or like a simple, like even just a coffee for someone like behind you, like those small little things will completely Mm -hmm. divert someone's day, you know? And I know like my fiance and I will do it like on occasion, on a whim. Like if we just feel like, oh, you know what? Hey, I'll get the person's coffee. I usually just do coffee, go to a little local coffee shop we support up over here and, I don't know, like it'll just hit me out of nowhere, like, and and I could choose to ignore it, or I can just do it, and I just I just go ahead and because you know what, for some reason that popped into my head, just like, wow, get that person behind you a coffee. Doesn't matter how much it is, because mm-hmm. what they, what's the most going to get like fifteen dollars or something? You spend that at, at a fast food joint going through a drive-through, so. I mean, and this, like you say, it's just that they're, they're, they're all over. The red flags are everywhere. You just have to actually pay attention and go actually engage in it and go be like, hey, are you okay? That's that's, that's all it takes.
1: And what happens is I think we're all busy, right? We're all so busy and we do so much and that we're just moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. So sometimes when we take that second to listen to our spidey sense, right? Like, have someone a cup of coffee. Like, what does that mean? We have no <clears throat> clue how Big of a thing that's going to be for somebody because then there's that, there's that thing like you do it for them. And maybe they're the ones that pass it on to help somebody else who's struggling. And I yeah. think we, as a society, as a community, we lack our ability to give grace to other people, right? Yes. We hold people to standards that we can't meet. Yeah. And if I so, said that in the military, yes, all the time. And if we had someone hold us to the standards, we hold other people to we would be so angry about it and we would yell from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. So why do we do that to other people? You know, people make mistakes and yeah. I can tell you, you know, when we, when we talk about medical, right, there's always this, oh, the VA is awful. Well, you know what? I've had bad experiences outside the VA, too. And mm-hmm. are those experience people-based experiences? Are they system-based experiences? Really taking that step back because there's been times, shoot, waiters and waitresses, right? How many times have we been served by someone who just has a crappy attitude? Yeah. Maybe somebody just skipped a bill on them. Maybe they are busting their butt at work and they have a loved one who is sick at home Or maybe they just lost somebody and they can't afford to take time off of work to be able to cope and deal with that loss that they just experienced. And you know what? Losses just aren't people, right? Losses can be pets, losses Mm -hmm. are jobs, losses are identity. Like that's what we experience a lot, right? In the military. I was something. I was a Marine, right? Mm -hmm. I was a soldier. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not that anymore. So what am I? So that's a grieving process. That's a loss, and that's I'm still something- going
0: through that. Like, <laughs> and that's almost three years ago, and I still go through it. Luckily, I have a great person that I'm with, and she helps me navigate that. Like, she asked me the other day, you know, what, like, trying to figure out what I like to do, and it's like still trying to figure that out. Like, I think I, we're actually going to yeah. sign up for a gym membership now, since stuff is open, to at least kind of do something. Like, to at least maybe that'll ignite a ball to keep rolling or something, because. I don't know what I like to do. I mean, I joined at 17 years old. I was a kid. I've been on my own since 17. So it's like everything I know, knew and loved was revolved around the army. So then now once you remove me from the army, it's like, well, all the stuff I like is over there, but I'm over here by myself. What the hell? You know, like.
1: <laughs> I like to say, you know, like in the military, we're told what to do, when to do it. You know, we're we're given food. We know what mm-hmm. we're going to wear. So. Yeah. You know, my biggest thing out of the Marine Corps, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what am I going (laughs) to wear? Like, I have to pick out my clothes? Yeah. That's a tough decision. What's the weather like? You know, like all these different factors. Mm -hmm. And then Marine Corps, I could wake up and get ready in like 10 minutes or less, put on the, the, you know, same clothes, put on the same boots, wig my hair up the same way. No big deal. And I'm out the door. And now it's like, um where am I going? What am I doing? You know, all the decisions. Do I, mm-hmm. do I feel like, you know, that bright top. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, we forget about that a lot when we're on the outside or even people mm-hmm. who haven't had an experience that on the outside are like, Oh my gosh, like I, w- filling out this form. Why is it so hard to fill out this form? Cause let me tell you, I was admin in the Marine Corps and people may hate, but <laughs> people who interacted with me in admin appreciated me because I would walk them through step-by-step. So the DD-214, that piece that talks about all your military career is like, here you go, sign right here, right? You don't know what you're signing, but half yeah. the time we do that anyway, because we're just like, okay, right? But yeah. walking them through, explaining what that is, because it, that document is going to be so important for the rest of your life. And I hear so mm-hmm. many people who are like, oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, they, I just told a to sign, so I signed, because that's what we do, right? You're yeah, to you something, fortunate. you do it when you do it.
0: I was fortunate. Like, I had I had a pretty a couple of pretty good um, leaders in well, in, uh, in Hawaii, where it's where I got out from, uh, that were like, hey, just review your DD-214. And even the people there at the uh, Soldier for Life Transition Office down there, they were actually really good. And they're like, hey, review all this, make sure everything matches up. And I, I, did, I did exactly what one of my buddies told me to do. He said, take your enlisted record brief and go look at your DD-214 and make sure all that shit is on there and it matches. So I did, I spent like almost five minutes and the lady, she didn't impress me at all. I was sitting there, I was like, okay, line by line, this award. OK, there's mm-hmm. six there, three, five, two, you know, checking, make sure everything lined up. Oh, something's missing. Oh, OK. And she boom, print. OK, check now. And then I started over again, you know, started from the top and worked down. But it just depends on where you are and who's around you to help you kind of get out. Like that's yeah. it's that, that's huge, because I know this for some people, they, they don't have no one. And mine was kind of like yours to where the unit, the unit leadership wasn't the best but the people in it were good and they tried to push me out the army in like a month when you're supposed to, and I was getting medically retired. So like they were upset about that. And then they tried to push me out. So the lady at the transition place, she goes, here's what you do. On the day you're supposed to get out, come pick up your clearing papers. I was like, okay. She's like, because then, then it, that'll notify the entire installation that there's a someone who's not supposed to be on active duty, still on active duty. And it'll create a hell storm. And I was like, okay. So I did. I did that. So then they had to give me uh, the permissive, uh, the, what's the, the terminal leave, which is what we call it. the, the, yeah. leave the So they had to give me that. So they had to push my data out. They had to give me time to get out. I mean, it wasn't the ample time, like the whole six months of like that total. They ended up getting like three, but I had to push that because of how, how it went down. So, you know, I, I get where you're coming from with that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just like you said, like leadership, right. makes a huge, huge difference. So I had a a knee injury and it was kind of a fluke thing that, uh, was not your typical knee injury. So people weren't quite understanding and it took some time to get diagnosed and get surgery. So it took about two and a half years for my knee injury before I had my surgery. And I (laughs) went from my first section in the Marine Corps. Amazing. Like true brotherhood. I had great leaders, Mm -hmm. um, and then the admin world, oh, you need to rotate sections so you can be a well-rounded admin. And I'm like, no, please don't. <laughs> um, so I went from having that brotherhood, that connection, that, that, that bond in the Marine Corps side where I wasn't getting the help I needed on the Navy side because Marine Corps, we don't have our own medical, right? So we use the Navy. Um, when I switched sections, it was reverse.
0: So oh. around that time,
1: my first section saw that, hey, we don't, we're not really familiar with the medical process, but we got this gunny over here who is, and he'll kick in doors for you. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. So I go to this next section and now then the Navy's helping me and I'm starting to get the medical that I need. And then Marine Corps side started to fail me. My leadership failed me. I even requested mass because I'm like, I'm being harassed. Like they wanted me to run a PFT. So a physical fitness test, they wanted me to do that a week before my knee surgery. And I'm like, I'm scheduled knee surgery. And they're like, yeah, well, if you don't run this, then we're going to admin stuff you. I'm like, but I have knee surgery, like booked, like scheduled. Yeah. What are you talking about? And the real, like real kicker and irony is one of the people who was the worst leader and the biggest stumbling block in that whole process that caused a lot of problems. Um, later when I got medcept, came to me, I ended up at the ring ball that year it was like a, a couple weeks after my med set. So I went to someone's date and I remember I was up at the bar getting a drink and he came up to me and said, Hey, so I'm looking at going through the med board process. Uh, you got any tips for me? And I thought, Oh, look my at tip that. for you is get out of my face. I yeah. was like, I cannot not go believe run, this right go run now.
0: A, go run a PFT. That's my tip for you.
1: Yes. That would have been <laughs> a great response. I was like standing there. Like I said, I can't believe you have the audacity to, to ask me this right now. So I eventually I, re- when I requested mass, one of my requests was I want to be sent back to my original, original unit. Cause I was fapped out once I got to my duty station. And really, I feel like the only reason I got out of there is because they, it was a very sticky, sticky process. My request mass and how everything went down, but they were basically trying to turn it to make it look like I was making it up. And at one point they said, Hey, if anybody will come forward and say that they witnessed this, or you know, like support her, back her up on her word, right? Well, nobody wanted to because they saw how I was being harassed. They saw how I was being treated. So, like, no, hell no. I literally had a staff and CEO tell me if he ever saw me in the parking lot, he was going to break my leg. And nobody, nobody stood up for me and came forward and said, "Yeah, I was there." There There's 25 people in the room when that happened. But because of the treatment, because of how poor that leadership was, nobody wanted to be that person who had yeah. been thrown on the bus. So I, uh, I did what I had to do, basically in my mind, and I dropped dimes on pretty much every senior leadership and that Good. whole unit. And they were like, "You know what? You're right. We don't want you anymore." <laughs> <laughs> so. I did, I did get out of that, that section that was really toxic. And I ended up in a section that had mostly civilian leadership. I ended up working at the ID card center. So I, I fell under the station. I was an air wing. So anyway, so I ended up working there and uh, mostly again, see, uh, civilian leadership. But by the time I got there within just a few months, I was finally put on a med board process to be evaluated. So, um, you know, something like, Hey, you want to fight dirty? I can fight dirty too. But mm-hmm. leadership, man, like how we treat people, it can really make or break
0: people. Right. And I learned that in Germany too. Um, it, Germany, they, I was going to, uh, I, was, no, I was at Fort Lewis and I was going to Germany and they didn't want me to go because I was that one guy who always would just stand up and be like, no. And uh, they taught me a lot on how to research on what can and can't be done. Um, because a lot of times leadership will just say things, scare tactics, knowing dang well like if they go to do this, then it's not going to go because they tried. They tried to uh, punish me under UCMJ, and I took it. I was like, well, let's go to court martial. Then they all looked shocked that I even said that. Even my even my chain, my platoon, because I was E six at the time. Even my platoon sergeant was like, he stopped. and was like, are you sure? Because normally those guys on the side don't talk. Because I've been on that side, the other side, you know, standing in in a uh, uh, part of my group and. He stopped. He's like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure because this isn't right at all. So let's do it." And then get the, the court martial never happened, and I went to Germany. So it's like you just have, and it's just, and it's funny because you just have to look. You just have to do some. All of it's there, you know. It's just, and it's it's hard to stand up to it because you know you're afraid of this, and people will just buckle and sign. And the same thing falls into the civilian sector too. Um, that that type of that type of stuff happens on the other side. And a lot of people don't know that a lot of civilian jobs do have an uh, equal employment opportunity program, which is an EEO. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. know that. And that's actually there. And they take it like I work at Intel and they take that stuff super serious. They got like the paper on the board outside the elevator on each floor, like equal opportunity employment. Like they, they hammer that stuff down pretty serious. And and it creates quite a ruffle. Like I heard of a story that was in a different module than mine where there was an EEO complaint. And man, they had a whole investigation. And then there was a whole bunch of stuff. And then we had a stand down meeting that we had to go to, like sometimes during, it was, I think it was either in the beginning of our shift when we started, like we had to sit in on this whole thing where our manager had to talk to us. He had to have a meeting, like they take it serious, you know, so it's like people need to know that like when it comes to like the treatment you went through, it does happen on the civilian side too, you know, like it's not just, or, or vice versa. People think that the military is like, oh yeah, it's like No, there, there are some bad people there too, yeah. you know? And it's unfortunate. I mean, I've I've had both. I've had good and bad. Like, I've had one where I swear the devil himself handpicked the entire leadership. You know, you're just like, and the only person that's your saving grace is your squad leader, but he can't do nothing. You know, he's at the bottom of the totem pole to them. And then when those, all those craziness people leave, then you get a nice shining knight and in, in shining armor come in. And you're like, where the hell were you guys at this whole year and a half? You know, like. So it's definitely something. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I think like you you made me think where he's <laughs> like, the devil handpicked them all. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like with any job. Right. There's there's people who are in job fields that they just shouldn't be in. It just does not work with their personality or their mm-hmm. skill set. Yeah. And the military is not exempt from that. Yeah. Um, there was somebody I knew who, when I was in the Marine Corps, he was non-rec on a regular basis. And when he was switching sections, section one was like, oh, well, he'll be in that section. So they'll do his non-rec and section two is like, well, he's coming from that section. So they would have already put in his non-rec and nobody did it. So he accidentally got promoted because nobody actually submitted his non-rec.
0: I've seen <laughs> that happen in the yeah. army too.
1: I was like, like you what? know just not one play. guy was
0: getting out. We had that one guy was getting out. Um, he's, a, he's a good guy, but he just wasn't, you know, he's getting out the Army. He was an E-4. Well, I think it was like 45 or 50 days, or was it 60? I think it was like 60 days where he got out, he got promoted to sergeant. Couldn't do nothing about it. The unit was like, <laughs> what? They couldn't stop it. The orders came in. They were pissed off. And I was like, well, y'all failed to do your job. Don't be mad. So now he's going to get out, and he's going to be a sergeant getting out. You know? <laughs> so it was like, yeah. He can say he's a sergeant now. Good job. He's a good guy. It's just the army wasn't for him. And he was yeah, just, yeah. they didn't like him. And he was, he was a good trooper. I mean, I I had no problems with him. I, he always did everything I told him to do, but he got promoted to sergeant and then he got out. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. It made me think of that when you said that.
1: Yeah, there's, and it is, it's like every, every job field, there's people I'll run into uh, shoot. We were, um, we were in the hospital recently My husband had brain surgery and we're in the hospital for eight days. And um, there's people I ran into that I'm like, why? Why are you in the nursing field? (laughs) (laughs) And then there's other people I ran into that was like, you were born for this. Like this 100% fits your personality, fits your skill set. But there was definitely some people where I'm like, you don't don't have the personality or the skill set. Like, yeah. You know, Um, but it really made me grateful to that experience, to be honest, is Mm -hmm. that, I mean, one, I was thankful because with all the COVID regulations. So I was was thankful to be there in the hospital. Um, Mm -hmm. It was not ideal. That's a whole other story as to how all that went down. But I sat there and I thought every day, I thought, man, to be these other patients who don't have family that don't have a support with them. And to be that support person that doesn't know the system, know the language or have connections. I literally, and I feel bad, like I'm, I still owe him one. I literally text a colleague and said, Hey, are you at work right now? And he said, yeah, well, he thought I was talking about a work project. So he was like, yeah, yeah, I know we need to follow up on blah, blah, blah. And I said, like, I don't give a shit about that. Give me a number. (laughs) I can call you at right now. So he said, okay, you call me this number. And then, and then I led with, okay, I'm going to hit you with something really big, really hard. And I'm going to give you like one minute to digest it because he (laughs) knows me, my husband. So I was like, uh, you know, we're in the hospital right now. He just, he just had brain surgery and you know, this, and he's like, what, wait, what, what? (laughs) And I was like, I know, I know. I told you, okay, take a minute now this is what I need you to do. And so, you know, I was able to call him and say, this is our need. I need you to go across the hall, grab this person and say, do this to take care of our person. Um, And he did. And it was great. And I was like, I still owe him one. Like, you know, you know who you are. I don't want to call you out, but you know, that, that moment I got the phone, I thought, what if I didn't have that established relationship. And what if I was a patient in another room? What if I was a caregiver for another patient who didn't know who to talk to, who didn't know what to ask for? We literally got out of ICU and we weren't in that room for more than an hour when we got transferred. And they said, Okay, you're going home. And I was like, No, he just had a seizure, <laughs> he can't walk on his own, he hasn't been yeah. able to go to the bathroom. Like, absolutely not. You're gonna discharge his home? Like, what are you yeah. thinking? Yeah. And then when I said we're no, they were like, What do you mean no? I'm like, wait, wait. So, I know there's so many different examples in life where we've run across people who just that they're not in the career field they should be in, and sometimes again we just got to take that step back and be like, all right, I'm working with somebody. This is just this is just not their thing. So how can I work with what I'm giving? Mm -hmm. How can I make it through this? Um, It it gets difficult in times. So I'm not gonna lie. I'm like I say this like. Oh, Angel, like every situation I've ever been in. Uh, no, there's times where like, I get pretty mad when I'm driving. Right. Yeah. I'm like, mother. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or there are some times in the hospital where I'm like, I'm going to need you to say that one more time to my face <laughs> because we, we, we do, we get maxed out. Right. So yeah. um, I'm not saying I'm perfect and you know, I shine grace and love on everyone all the time, but I do make that, that effort. And sometimes mm-hmm. I do just have to take a second and pause and think, I don't know their life either. I don't know what they're battling and dealing with just like in my own work. Right. And what I do for the people around me, when they find out like, Holy hell, you were just in the hospital for eight days. Holy hell. Your husband just had brain surgery. You know, Holy hell. Like this, this has happened and that has happened and you're doing what now? And you're still keeping up with this. Wait, what? I'm like, you know, we all have our lives that we bring to the table Mm -hmm. that the people on the other side of the table, we don't know what's in their life. Just like they don't know what's in our life.
0: Right. Now, uh, was your husband, was he in the military too, or did you meet Oh, like yeah.
1: That? Yeah. He was? Yeah. Yeah. So, my husband uh, is a Navy veteran. Oh. And yeah, he was on active duty and he had uh, fell down a flight of stairs and woke up in the hospital. They found a uh, damn near softball sized brain tumor about wow. 10 years ago. So, he went, uh, he had a fight to get surgery. The Navy was going to say, bye, take it up with the VA, have fun. Jeez. Um, So, but I mean, we have uh, an amazing congressman who contacted the uh, secretary of the Navy and said, uh, no, you're going to do his surgery and you're going to take care of him. So between him and a couple other people really helped uh, push and my husband was able to get his surgery on active duty. He went through rehab at Walter Reed and uh, a couple other places. He got medically discharged because, you know, you're missing half a brain. They don't want you working on aircraft. ability. So, uh, he did, he did get, um, medically separated from the Navy and uh, we met through our rowing program, ironically. Mm. So we didn't meet in the military and it was a total fluke thing. I was running a program, the, you know, thanks to a good mentor of mine who really helped me get it off the ground. We called it military Mondays. So at the university I was at, we would bring in just different services. I would give discounts to veterans or service veterans specifically and bring them in and bribe people with food. To come to our new VA office and to come check out this resource. So, They'll
0: follow the food too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nose goes, I'll be there.
0: This food, I will be there. Yeah, if this food, I'm there. Yes,
1: yes. So, uh, this particular uh, week, there was a guy who came and he said, Hey, you're a Marine. You can row, right? I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. You know, so he tries to tell me about his program, and I'm like, Look, dude. I'll come check out your program and then I'll help you promote it. Okay. Okay, good. We're good. Okay. I'll see you. <laughs> so then that, that Thursday I go to practice to check out the program, but I spent a little too much time checking out my now husband. So wow. I came back. <laughs> <laughs> so I came back to the next practice, which was Friday. And uh, that was our, our first date and we've been together ever since then. Oh, that's awesome. So um, <laughs> yeah. And, and now we run the program together. So uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny. There's, there's been ups and, ups and downs in the program. We'll have like a lot of people interested and then life happens. And then we only have like a few people interested, but every time I go, there's that little bit of moment. Like, this is where, like, this is where I met my husband yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're still, we're still connected in, uh, in that world and that environment. And it's, it's a cool experience. So if you've never tried rowing, freedom, Rose is in a lot of different cities so if you're a veteran and you're interested you can reach out for me for that too and i can get you connected to who's close to you but it's just that feeling of being on the water right Is just it's i did something way.
0: i did something similar with that um and i know some guys here watching it was uh with the wounded warrior program project odyssey oh, yeah. um we did the the white water rafting on the rogue river and that never done that before and that was that was friggin' dope like we went out for uh it was like a week like five days six days total and it was like a bunch of like military veterans it was uh there was no women on that one it was all guys because they have it like separated by like gender for some things so like we were doing like they had the one where they had like eight people and we were rowing on one of the bigger boats (laughs) and then people in smaller canoes and it was pretty neat like we would go we'd find a spot we'd set up tents and like it was like being back in the field it was awesome and except It wasn't just Army, you had Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard. We were all doing stuff. And I remember like we were doing the rowing and we were, we had a really good like rowing crew where we actually almost rode up a rapid. Like we got to the very, very top, but the person told us to stop and turn around because she thought um, we were going to flip. But we were like, no, we got it. And we were going and we were like going up this crazy rapid. And it was, oh, we were so smoked afterwards. But like, the camaraderie just happens, you know, and uh, we had a guy on there. Um, He was a special forces medic. He's diabetic. Also, he was newly diagnosed just like me. Um, He actually had to get uh, evac out on like one of the last days. Um, And we had to pull off. And, And the fact that everyone, like the trip didn't even matter no more. The concern was getting him taken care of while we were getting him. It's like, everyone just started taking stuff down. Everyone started getting stuff together. Like, even the people on that trip said that was the fastest they've ever seen a group of people tear down a site because we were just like – because a lot of us were. I think out of everyone, I think there was only two people that weren't, like, non-combat MOS jobs. Everyone else had some sort of combat job, like infantry, artillery, cab scout. So, like, when it comes to doing stuff, we, we got it. And they, like, they turn around. They're like, you guys are done. We're like, yeah, we need to get this. Let's go. We need to get this going right now. And they're like, holy crap. And we even told them, like, yep. Yeah stand back we got this and then we just tore everything down like like a bass out of hell and got him the help he needed and it cut our trip short but you know what it didn't even matter at that point like we 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 cut our rowing and our everything short and our canoeing short just to make sure we found a spot to get him out and get him in a vehicle and taken care of and then we met up with him after we got everything back to the site and yeah so like that water thing was super super cool I liked it I almost died (laughs) rafting um I say that jokingly, but like I flipped over in a little individual canoe, and they gave us a brief, like, don't try to struggle. Just let the rapid do whatever. I'm like, okay. So I, I flip over, and I'm in the water, and I'm like, holy crap. My head's like, okay, I'm all over. I feel everything going. And then I was like, oh, I'm running out of air. This is not good. And then all of a sudden, I just feel myself get lifted out of the water by one of the other guys who was on a rock. And I was like, I was like, thanks. He's like, yeah, man, I saw your yellow, yellow handle, and I just pulled. And I was like, thank you, because I was running out of air, like, (laughs) because I was, I didn't know if I was upside down or down, I don't know where I was at, but he pulled me out, and he's like, you good, and I was like, yeah, he's like, you want back in the canoe, and I was like, bring that shit over here, and then we got (laughs) to the raft, and I hopped back in it, and went, but the water is so fun, it's, 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 don't mess with it, because you will lose, you know, like, don't fight it, you'll lose, but it, it is so fun, so I wanted to share that little story, because of the, it's not exactly rowing, but it's, it's still paddling, and rafting, and Things yeah, like
1: The water, it's, it's still <laughs> super therapeutic. That reminds me when, when I was a kid, we used to go do rafting on a, a river and my, uh, my dad, so my, my, one of my uncles would come in and we, we kind of divide out between two rafts and sometimes my brothers would bring some friends or whatever. So we did, it was like my parents and my uncle and I in one and then my brothers and like their friends in one. And my dad was like, we're going to pirate them. And that's like one of my like favorite childhood trips, you know, is seeing my dad, who is like my size, jump into their boat and he starts throwing people out and throwing their stuff out. And like, yeah, we're taking over their raft, you know. And it was just it was so much fun, like being out, you know, getting that sunlight, getting the fresh air, being around the water, you know, just enjoying life. And I I've done Project Odyssey as well, though my Project Odyssey story, uh not quite uh as I want to say like fun in an adventurous way, but we had our own adventure. Um, My project, Odyssey actually was in Oklahoma. Uh, It was, it was up in Tulsa and it was in May. So for those of you who know tornado season, so we were, there was floods and there was a tornado warning almost the entire time we were there. So we didn't really get to do all of our like super fun activities. We did get to do one service project that we had planned was with a, um, a woman who helps rescue animals. It's this really cool. It was this really cool oh, thing, wow. but what we were going to do, we couldn't quite help her as much because of the rain, but we still went out there and got to help. And then we got to do zip lining on our last day. But during the week in this tornado warning and all of our dinners getting canceled, our poor WWP liaisons having to like drive through the pouring down rain to go get us food. Cause we were supposed to eat at a restaurant. So we weren't planned for this. And, um, me and another girl from Oklahoma, and we're just standing out there like, nah, we don't smell it. And people are like, what? We're like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like you can smell it. You can smell it when it's it's coming. Like it's just it's a thing. You can feel the change in the air and you can smell it. So we just it, it was great to see everyone just come together, like you were saying, right? Like that that brotherhood, that bond. But again, we didn't have like a, a medical emergency. We just had like a you know, a board emergency, I guess you could say. So mm-hmm. we made up our own games and we started playing charades and. Yeah we had a random shuffleboard table. So I was teaching people how to play shuffleboard, um, which I learned how to play shuffleboard, like fun fact, on a PlayStation Barbie mystery game. So uh, yeah, those skills came in handy. Uh, but it was it was a great time. And it's great just being able to be put in situations with, with people and really building each other up. And that's the magic of it, right? If we treated everyone we interacted with like that, and like, just built them up and did whatever we could. It would just our whole world would run smoother, right? Yeah, um,
0: totally. It totally would.
1: Yeah, because we we focus on so many little insignificant things on a daily basis, and we lose sight of where we are and where we've come and where we're going, and we get tied up in the little things that it causes us stress. It causes those around us stress. And then we're not holding doors open for people. We're not smiling at people. We're too busy, caught up in the little things. And it's those little things that we could be doing, like holding the door, like smiling, like buying the coffee for somebody that could literally turn someone's life around when they are yeah. having that overwhelming day.
0: Yeah. And that holding doors as I do, especially if you see someone like with their hands full or something, like I did it at the Chevron, well, I think it was yesterday. Some dude, he was, he was working there, but he had his hands full and I just like held the door and he was like, he's like oh thanks and i was like yeah no problem your hands are full i'm not just gonna walk out and slam the door on you i'm gonna hold it you know like or if someone has like a walking thing or they're kind of like limping or if they have like you could tell if there's something wrong with their legs or something i do i did it for this lady at work uh she was an L, like kind of older but she she had like a weird walk you know so like i waited i waited for her and i held the door for her and then because there's two doors before you go in there's the outside door and then there's a like a little small little, almost like a corridor door a little bit and then another door. So I held both doors for her because, you know, like, it looked like she was just struggling, you know, yeah. and, like, and I don't say that to toot my own horn. I say that for, like, other people to, be like, you know, just take a moment. If you're going the same direction or if someone's right behind you, even holding the door, yeah. just hold it and just push it open. You don't have to sit there and be like, oh, come in, sir, ma'am. You don't have to do that, but just, like, push it open enough because enough to where that person recognizes you're doing that for them, and then they'll be like, oh, you know, it's just, just, Something nice to do, I guess. You know, like
1: yeah, <laughs> that's what I do it
0: all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally
1: idea. the little things. So I went on a trip with uh, my best friend. We went to Europe in 2019, and I had had knee surgery in February first of that year, which did not go so well. So there were some complications that we didn't discover until like a month or two after I came back from my trip, which would have been really mm-hmm. handy to know going on my trip, but. <laughs> Uh, so I, they thought, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be out of your leg brush. You can walk. No big deal. Now I wasn't, I, w- I would, I say I wasn't allowed crutches. Crutches was not supposed to be part of my recovery. So <laughs> what ended up happening is I have nerve damage and I can no longer contract my quad. So here I am, I'm like eight weeks out from surgery. I'm going to Paris. I'm going to England. I'm going <laughs> to Rome. I'm like, Groupon extraordinaire trip, like with my bestie, this is going to be great. And I'm dragging my leg like the entire oh. time. So our flights were in New York and, um, at, at one point, uh, throughout, throughout our trip, it was, it was actually kind of interesting. So sorry, Oklahoma city airport, but you were the least friendly in my experience, <laughs> um, they made me take off my brace and walk through. And I was like, I can't walk without my brace. They're like, Oh, it's just a few steps. Yeah. And Paris, when I got to the airport in Paris, Paris, uh, the guy looked at me, he says, Oh ma'am, does that hurt? And I was like, uh, yeah, he says, Oh, in that case, right this way. And they escorted me and my best friend to the very front of security, carried our bags to the front of security. <laughs> like it was like, Oh my goodness, even Rome, we got to Rome and we went to, um, the Vatican city and they said, ma'am, come here. And I was like, Oh my gosh, we're in trouble. Cause it was a security officer. I was like, ah, what did we do already? <laughs> uh, and he says, you don't need to wait in line. And they took us all the way to the front of the security there too. And oh, you're know, wow. like, we take care of our people. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so th- throughout this trip, uh, there's like a, f- a few stories on how just like these simple little acts. Huge for me, huge because I would get winded like walking yeah. to the bathroom in my own home. So mm-hmm. this was a challenge. Well, when we were on transportation, public transportation, there was a couple of times that somebody had said, oh, you can sit. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I don't want to stand for a little bit because I don't want to inconvenience them. Right. And then I thought about it and I thought, holy hell, how hard is it for people to say, hey, you can have my seat? And how often do we not see that? So I made a vow uh, after that second time of of turning someone down. I said, I will take every seat offered to me. Because I want that person to feel validated that they made a true attempt to help somebody and they did help somebody.
0: Right. That's, you know, that's a good perspective. I never thought of it that way, you know?
1: Because sometimes like, think about it. Like you got your friend, right? We all have one. You invite Mm -hmm. them. They say, no, you invite them. Maybe you invite them. They say, no, you invite them. Maybe. And eventually you stop inviting them because you're like, you never come anyway. Why am I wasting my time? That's what happens when we don't accept acts of kindness, so the more people say, Hey, you have my seat. And someone says mm, no, or no, thank you. Right. Then they're less likely to offer that seat later down the line. Cause they're like, well, every time I offer it, nobody takes it. And we just, I was shown so much grace on that trip. It was amazing to see humanity really like from people who would pick up my suitcase and carry it for me. Um, you know, people who I wouldn't expect there was a, an older woman in New York, and she was giving us some directions and as she took a couple steps down, the, down the steps that we were about to go down. And she came back and she says, let me carry that for you. And I thought, Oh no, 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 man. Like <laughs> you know, this is a pretty heavy bag. And you know, like you're, you're an older woman, like, you know, thank you. She goes, ah, it's not that big a deal. Picked it up, carried it down this huge flight of stairs, dropped it off and said, okay, bye. I was like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like all these little tiny acts. Like I, I was a benefit of, and we don't, we don't think about it because we're so busy and we're hustling, but even just, yeah, like you said, push the door open a little harder so they can just catch the door rather than having to like, yank on Yeah,
0: Yeah, even it's, if it's just like a, you know. Yeah. That's, that's just what I do all the time.
1: Yeah it's, yeah, it's so many simple things that we could do that can make a world of difference in somebody's life. Right.
0: So, like, I know that we were talking <clears throat> earlier before, and I wanted you to share your, uh, Funny story with Invictus and in the sporting few oh, did. Yeah. So we got about 10 more minutes. So I wanted you just to yeah. say, because I thought that was kind of funny, just to kind of throw a little bit of humor into it before I have you leave a closing statement for all the vets and everyone here watching, but I wanted you to share that real quick because I thought it was kind of funny and I don't even know it. I only know a little bit. So,
1: so okay. So I competed at Invictus and in, uh, 2017 we were in Canada in Toronto. And my funny story uh, is that I literally ran into Prince Harry twice. And once I almost pushed him in the pool. So <laughs> the long version of that is we were, uh, he came to the cycling where all the tents were set up and I was rushing. I was like, I, I gotta go pee real quick. So I'm rushing, I'm rushing. And I'm not really paying attention. And there's a kind of group of people. And I run right into somebody who that person I ran into, I end up hitting into <laughs> Prince Harry. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I turned, I was like, I did not just shove someone into Prince Harry. Like I am that person today. Okay, okay. Um, all right, I'll recover from this. No big deal. No, no, no. A few days later. We're at the swimming pool and I'm super anxious. So that goes into like a whole nother story, but I'm super anxious. I'm going back there. I just need to warm up. I need to calm the F down. Right. And all these people are standing around. You shouldn't even be in here. So I may or may not have purposely shoved somebody in. Then they went into Prince Harry. So I (laughs) was very anxious and angry and shoved somebody who then hit Prince Harry, who was really close <laughs> to the edge of the pool. And once I realized, of course, my anxiety just like exploded. I'm like, oh my God. I Twice. almost was responsible for knocking Prince Harry into the swimming pool. Wow. Wow. So that would have been a story how that happened. That
0: um oh yeah. yeah, that would have made headlines for sure. That would have yeah. been like Prince oh, yeah. Harry gets been- knocked into a pool by swimmer
1: <laughs> by angry marine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: person was a marine veteran now then there's yeah. a marine oh, yeah. veterans like pushing people into pools knowing how the, the media will spin it. oh yes it'll be like
1: something crazy because i got interviewed by cnn that week but all they cared about was have you seen megan markle and i'm like no i haven't seen megan markle i'm more concerned with not pushing someone into prince harry again <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um that, that could have been that could have been a, a life changer for me had uh had he actually went in the pool so
0: <laughs> well, that's pretty good well um and now I would just have you uh, leave uh, just like kind of like a, a motivational, inspirational statement for everyone who watches and people who watch the replay later on. So like if they're watching something to kind of help them jumpstart or a little bit of inspiration or swift kick in the ass, fire starter, something just to kind of help them, you know, like kind of get off that that, that slump up there. And maybe what you say will ignite them. Do this with people every week when I have someone come on because you never know. Just whoever says something just the right way, even though it's basically the core is the same, but it's just said differently. And sometimes it'll just click after you hear it like the third time from someone else. And then it just goes, huh? Well, maybe I need to do that. So on you, go ahead.
1: All right. Well, I like to say that life is shitty, right? We all go through some really shitty times, but we have to find that thirst for, for life and what, what we want from this. And so if you're, if you're somebody who is struggling in a shitty situation your whole life won't be shitty. You know, you just got to push through it like you've done everything in the past. And if you're somebody who maybe isn't struggling, I want you to consider about validating people rather than relating. Because we spend so much time trying to relate to people that oftentimes we lose that validation. So when someone is having a shitty time, maybe their dog did die and you're just like, oh, you can get another dog that's not validating that pain and that loss that they're feeling. So really consider that when you go throughout your day, like how can you validate someone rather than relating to them and just be human, be human.
0: That's perfect. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I even wrote down, I like to write the, uh, I write the quote down or I take something. So for yours, I wrote life is shitty, but find the thirst for life. Yeah, so man. I think that's, that's perfect way to close it. So uh, I appreciate you for coming on. Um, I know it, everyone has busy schedules and things and we had to work through some some <laughs> scheduling dates between you and me and but you know I'm glad that you came on and I'm I know you were referred to me from uh from someone so I appreciate them for the referral to have you come on and uh if you guys need a consulting check out her uh website I put it in the bio uh so you can check that out if you need some sort of consulting or painting or see what more she's about you can check her out there Uh, On the Facebook as well, I put the tag in there so you can uh, tap that and see what she's about and what she's done. Um, And then everyone, thanks for watching. Uh, Make sure you follow and share this, Uh, you know, share it with your family and friends. Maybe another veteran will see. There's plenty of episodes uh, as you go through the videos or when you go on Instagram under my page. uh, There's plenty of stuff there on the IGTV. Pick who you want to watch and just like and share and just we spread the positivity. That's what we do. Veterans struggle every day. Um, And this this podcast here is revolved around helping veterans who are struggling. And then they come on here to get some stuff off their chest to kind of work through it and also inspire you guys who are watching. So I appreciate every one of you who are watching and sharing and following and all that stuff. So again, Jessica, thanks for coming on. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you uh, about some other stuff offline that, you know, after reading your stuff and some things we talked about get some connections and there's some things I'm going to share with you too. So I appreciate it. And thanks everybody.
1: Yeah. Thanks.